Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. All right, so um, let us, let's open our, our Bibles and uh, let's pray first. Father, thank you that the Spirit is on me to preach today, to teach. I submit to your voice. I submit to your, to your leading. And Father, thank you that the words that, that go forth will encourage, will exhort, will edify the hearers. And um, yeah, thank you for everyone sitting in this church that they will hear what you are saying today. We thank you, Father, that it is food for our souls, that it will nourish us, and that it will produce what it is sent for. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Jesus is king, no matter who is president, no matter what's going on in the world, he is king. No matter what the petrol price is, he is king. He is Lord. And uh, I was just reminded of uh, um, a preacher who said, often we don't have financial problems, we have lordship problems. <laughs> we don't, sometimes we don't have marriage problems, we have lordship problems. We don't have, uh, it's about, hey, who are, you, who are you submitting to at the end of the day? Who, who's, who's leading you? Who's, uh, who's got the authority in your life? Amen? All right, so... I've been doing a lot of Old Testament reading lately, and so I was just thought I'd just share some some stories of, of what happened. There was obviously you know the whole God appearing to Abraham. What's amazing is there was a city called Sodom and uh, Lot, and the whole lot of them <laughs> were staying there. And uh, God appears to Abraham one day, and he. He kind of hints towards, mm, maybe must I tell Abraham or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy that city because of its, oh, it's just bad. It's just full of sin. It's full of, it's terrible. So he just wanted to destroy it. And so Abraham starts talking to the Lord, but what if there's like 50 righteous people in there? Would you destroy it? So he says, no, I won't destroy it. So he says, well, okay, 45? No, I won't destroy it. And he keeps, he brings it all the way down to 10. And God says, even if there are 10 righteous in there, I will not destroy it. And you see Abraham acting as a mediator or as an intercessor. He's standing in the gap between uh, that city, the righteous people in that city, standing for them. And as a result of Abraham, God did not destroy the city as a result of the 10. Okay, now you must read the rest. To, to realize, to, to understand what happened there. Then we have Moses. The Bible says that Moses went up Mount Sinai, and God actually wanted to give the Israelites living oracles. And while Moses was up there, they got the old calf out, and they started worshiping the, 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 this golden calf. So God, um, Moses comes down, and he sees, goodness, they are now busy committing adultery already. And so that's where God is like, I want to wipe these guys out. 
I'm like, I'm done with him. And Moses tells God, hey, you know what? You are actually, if you wipe them out, what about your word that you spoke? That what you said, what about your reputation? You brought them out of Egypt in this amazing way. And he said, so Moses stands in the gap. Moses is an intercessor, intercessor, interceder, intercessor. In that moment, a mediator, he's, rep- he's standing between the two, and he's, he's actually defending um, Israel or helping Israel. And as a result, God says, okay, I'll forgive them, all right? Now, let's, let's just go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 22. I'm just going to share what's on my, on my heart today. I believe it's going to be a great word. I really believe it's going to be good. He said, I looked, uh, did I give you the verse? 22 verse 30. I looked for a man among, among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it. Now, up until Ezekiel, you, you have to read Bible with Bible. So that's why I gave you the introduction of Abraham and uh, Moses, because uh, this is obviously in reference to that. So you have to understand Scripture to know Scripture to understand Scripture. And he says, I, w- I looked for a man from among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. So then it says, so I've poured my anger on them and destroyed them with the fire of my fury. Now, please, if you want to understand fire and fury and destruction, you have to read the Old Testament and just see what God had to deal with, with the Jews or, or the Israelites, rather, let's say, that kept on going back to idol worship all the time. So, uh, so if you understand in that light and you see God's heart, I'm looking for someone that will stand in the gap because I actually desire mercy. I don't desire judgment. I want to give mercy to these people. Mercy. All right. So, so there was no one to stand in the gap. And have you heard that being said, we need to stand in the gap for someone? Who's heard that before? Okay, standing in the gap for someone, standing in the, in the gap. I remember being in school, and uh, my, my, uh, my friend, he was so naughty, but he was my friend, loved him. And uh, he would make me laugh like you can't believe. He was a comedian, and I would laugh, and I would always get punished. But he was the guy that... That the instigator. I just couldn't help laughing. All right, okay, and then you have this time in the Old Testament um, where, like, if you see Moses, he, he would have a judgment seat, and he would judge Israel. They would bring a case to him, and then he would have to judge the matter. And he would obviously use the law, and uh, he would deal with the people according to the law. And you have the time of judges up until you get to kings, and then eventually we get to, 
to Jesus. Hallelujah for Jesus. And I'm so thankful that we're living in the new. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so I want you to go to, um, let's quickly go to, to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I want you to get a, a real love for the Word of God. And, uh, man, this is so good. So, yo, I'm, I'm going to do, like, some Bible teaching, Bible reading. So, enjoy it. Matthew, oh, Hebrews, I don't know where Matthew came from. Hebrews chapter 7. And let's read from verse 14. It is clear that our Lord is descended from Judah, yet Moses said nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. What's interesting is that the priests were only supposed to come out of the tribe uh, of the Levites. But Jesus, uh, so Moses allowed no priests (laughs) if they weren't Levites, if they didn't come from that tribe. But now we know that Jesus is our high priest, but he is not a Levite. He was from Judah. So according to the law, he is not qualified by the law to be that, the priest or the high priest because they had to be Levites. So that's why he's speaking about, no, there's a different order that Jesus is high priest of. And uh, we're going to read, read about it now. And this is even clearer if another priest arises in the likeness of Mel. Kizadek, who has come a priest not by legal regulation about physical descent, but the, by the power of an indestructible life. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Every other Levite priest died. But, but Jesus is not a priest according to a tribe. <laughs> he is priest according to an order of Melchizedek, an order of an indestructible life, which means he is our eternal priest. Wow. Okay, so let's, let's listen to this. Where are we? Oh, verse 16. Who has, who has become a priest not by legal regulation about physical descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For here is the testimony about him. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. On the the one hand, a former command is set aside because it is weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And since this was not done with a sworn affirmation, for the others have become priests without a sworn affirmation, in affirmation, but Jesus did so with a sworn affirmation. Hallelujah. Okay, just bear with me. Let's just read on. Verse 22. Accordingly, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And the others who became priests were numerous because death prevented them from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently since he lives forever. So he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because, listen, he always lives 
to intercede for them. He lives to intercede for you. Don't you think that's awesome? Come on, if, if Abraham in one state under the old covenant, uh, well, Ab- technically not Abraham, if Moses under the old covenant, under the old, would intercede, would mediate between God and man, and don't judge them, what, what kind of judge would you want? Or what kind of intercessor would you want to intercede for you? I would want Jesus. Okay, and it's, it's just going to get better. It's going to get better than this. So right now, we have a priest with an indestructible life that is interceding on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, so um, in the old, they would come to, to Moses, and he would have a law system that he can refer to. They would bring an accusation to someone, and then Moses would make a decision based off the law and bring the result or the penalty, condemnation, or any kind of justice from that. Now let's, we have to go to Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. Keep your fingers there. I have to introduce the scripture. Go to Rome, uh, Revelation chapter 12, just before we go there. Um, can we go to the Amplified Translation and just read from verse 7? Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael. There we go, Mike. Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8. But they were defeated, and there was no longer room found for them in heaven. Next verse. And the huge dragon, okay, was cast down. That age-old serpent who is called the devil... And Satan, he who is the seducer of all humanity and the, the world, the deceiver of all humanity, the world over, he was forced out and down to the earth, and his angels were flung out along with him. Next verse. Then I heard a strong, loud voice in heaven saying, Now it has come, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. Okay, and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren, he who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night has been cast out. So there was an accuser in heaven, like if you take the system of what Moses had to deal with, there was an accusation brought before God about the brethren about the people, God's people, accusation was brought to God. And now he says, hey, Michael and his angels, hey, ward in heaven, and they cast him out. Hallelujah. And the accuser was cast out. Next verse. And they have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. So when was that whole, the whole thing done? The cross of Jesus. Yes. Overcome. So as a result of the cross of Christ right now, 
the accuser is cast out. I want you to understand this. A lot of people don't understand. I mean, even Martin Luther said we need to hear it over and over because we forget it over and over. But right now, what do you think God is hearing about you? What do you think God knows about you? What do you think is in God's mind about you? Because at a time, there was an accuser bringing forth accusations into the presence of God. And you can read the, the, that in Job, how it actually happened. The serpent would appear in front of God and say, hey, look at that guy. You know what he's doing? That guy. He, there was accusations. Oh, Lord, help me get, get this through. So, um, so what do you think God is thinking about you right now? Mm-hmm. Now, let's take you back to Hebrews 7. We have a high priest by the order of Melchizedek, one who lives an indestructible life, who lives to intercede for you, <laughs> who lives eternally to intercede for you, to make intercessions for you. How many people think you're cursed? You know how many people live their life thinking that God has cursed them? I'm telling you, they take Deuteronomy and says that the curse of the law is on me. But you have an intercession. So let's go to Romans 8. I think some of you will know where I'm going. Verse 1. Hallelujah. Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation. There is no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let's highlight that. Let us just highlight that. For those who are where? In Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those where? In Christ Jesus. Why? Because uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the new creation has no condemnation. You are free 24-7. There is no condemnation. I'm not saying there's no time for repentance. I'm not saying any of that. But the truth and the, and the fact is that God does not condemn you. I I'm often think about the, the prodigal son. Okay, so the prodigal son takes his inheritance, messes it up, you know, he takes, he actually tells his father, I want my inheritance. Usually you get your inheritance before, no, when someone dies, when your father dies or something, you'll get an inheritance. This guy said, no, give me the inheritance now. Kind of indirectly saying, I kind of wish you were dead. Takes the inheritance, messes his life up, finds himself in a pigsty. And uh, he says, hey, even the servants in my father's house even the servants in my father's house are better off than what I am right now. I'm going to go to my father. Now, I, I like this. I can't imagine what must have been going through his mind, taking the, his, uh, the steps towards God or towards the father. If the father is in the house today, 
and he comes to you, what are the first words that you'll tell him? Just let's just be honest about that. What are the first things that you'll tell him? Will you be able to stand in front of him with no shame? Will you be able to stand with him like in front of him and just experience like this acceptance from him? Would you approach him with confidence? Would you approach him with, here I am? Would you like, or would you kind of be ashamed of yourself? Be honest now. <laughs> and as the, 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 the son is coming to, to the father, uh, the father sees him coming from a distance, and he starts running to the son. And he brings a royal robe. And he brings that royal ring and a robe and he puts it on him. He immediately covers up his shame. Puts, puts everything on him again. Divinity back on him. That's who we are in God's eyes. Now I want you to think about it. Imagine the confidence that you can approach life with. If you know right now that, that God is not against you. God is not against you. If you are in Christ Jesus. He is not against you. God is for you. And how much more? You've got an interceder. Is that intercessor? By the order of Melchizedek, who lives forever and is constantly making intercession for you and for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. And if you look, who was the problem in the story of the prodigal son? The father? Nope. No. It was the lies that that, that son believed about the father and about himself that weren't true. Yeah, but. God has a bigger but than you. Instead of saying, yeah, but. Say, but God, but God in his grace. Hallelujah. All right, we, we're going somewhere, but I thought, I thought to share this, and I thought it's really important. So, Bruce, why does bad things happen to me? Why does bad things happen to Christians? Why does bad things happen to good people? Like, is God for me? Is God for me? Why is, why is things going wrong? Why is things never working out if God is really for me, if God is praying for me, if God is backing me, if God is believing me? C.S. Lewis said a lot of the times the problems with our questions, in order for me to deal with your question and to answer your question, I have to deal with your assumption. Because the questions we ask are based off of assumptions that we've made from an in, incorrect thought or idea about God, about, about life, and about, you know, who He is and why we're here. Okay, God is not playing puppets with anyone. God is not like, I'm going to do this with you and you're going to do that and playing chess with, with people. God is not behind the, the, the destruction. God is not behind the death of children. God is not behind uh, the evil in this world. 
And the thing is, sometimes we make wrong assumptions when, when something bad happens that maybe this was God's will. No, you've assumed something, and you've made a dangerous assumption about God. Um, we spoke at, at men's meeting about this, but Solomon, such an incredible um, king and story, uh, he was blessed with wisdom, and he used that wisdom to study everything. And if you read Ecclesiastes, he ventured on the study to find the meaning of life. And you know what he found? Didn't get the answer. He couldn't get the answer. Now, Solomon was a great guy up until he started worshiping uh, other, other gods. For those who don't know, he worshiped other gods. He married 700 plus wives. It's like literally if you read Onsidiwar Kaprat, if you read the story of Solomon, you just see all these great things. Then he marries 700 wives, and he starts worshiping other idols, and that's the end of his life. You get nothing good about him after that. The repercussions of what he did actually still today uh, still exist because of what he did in that time. But he, he, in his wisdom, could not know. Let's not say that was not wisdom. That was worldly wisdom. That was not godly wisdom. He could not find the meaning of life. So he studied rich people, poor people, healthy people, sick people. He studied everything there is, and he called it under the sun. And he said, I've come to the conclusion that life has no meaning. The best thing that you can do is enjoy your life. We preached about this about two months ago. The best thing that you can do is enjoy your life. Everything is meaningless. Now, this is something that is in men and women. Every time something happens, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? Something bad happens. God, what is going on? What are you doing? You know, I thought you had a plan. I thought things were going a certain way. And what we don't realize that is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world that needs to be redeemed. And that bad things happen not because God lets them happen. Bad things happen because the world is broken. We're li we live in a fallen world. So I, I sometimes, um, I sit with people and, I'm, and then something bad happens and they think, you know, maybe, maybe God has a better plan. No, it's an assumption. It's not the truth. You know, if, we, if you lose a child, no, God took that, that child from me. You know, God did something else. It's nonsense. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And most of us know it until we encounter like that mountain, <laughs> until we encounter a problem, and we, we, we tend to wonder, Lord, where are you? you know, where are you? But I was immensely encouraged just thinking about this. What is the meaning? <laughs> what is the purpose of life? And it's in people's hearts. God put that in people's hearts. They said that the desire for meaning the desire for significance. It's in everyone's heart. You want to know that what you're doing is significant. The day you wake up that you have purpose, that, uh, that something is, God is putting something together in my life and it's going to make an impact in this world. Amen? Who wants that? Come on, you have to want that. You have to want that. Hallelujah. 
And I think that's in everyone's life. So let's, let's, just, let's just read on here. Um, the other quote that they say is, everything happens for a reason. Who's heard that? Do you know that's not true? It's a lie. It's not the truth. Not everything happens for a reason. You know, the other lie is, they'll say, all things work together for good. Who's heard that? It's half a quote. It's a lie. It's not the truth. No, half truth is a lie. We say stuff like that, and when something bad happens, we think, oh, well, everything works together for good. Everything happens for a reason. It's not true. Yeah. So let's, let's just read it together in, in Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8, verses... 28. Someone was ahead of me. <laughs> we are assured, okay, and we know. Can we just uh, net translation it for me, just to make it simpler? We know that all things work together for good. And we, we stop quoting it there. We, don't, we leave it there. He says, but it carries on. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, this is incredible if you really think about it. The Scripture doesn't say that only good things will happen to you. Okay? It doesn't say that everything is going to work out just fine. It actually says, it might acknowledge that bad things might happen. Okay, we all have really different, difficult lives and situations. Like, let me show you something. Who right now is facing something difficult? Come on, just be honest. I want people to see. Who's facing something difficult? Now, in my, in my experience... Normally, when I'm not facing something difficult, it lasts for 24 hours. And then you're in, you're, you find yourself in trouble again. He doesn't say all things uh, work together for, for good. I've sat with some people in this church already that have gone through tremendous loss, that have lost loved ones, that have lost... Um, they've gone through a divorce, that have experienced the contradiction of what they had so much hope in is now gone. That is not good. But God is so amazing that somehow when we trust Him, when we love Him, when we run to Him, He can take an unfavorable situation and turn it, he can turn it to good. He can turn it for the good. He can, he can bring purpose to it. Um, he, can, he can add significance to it. Uh, I've seen people that are so broken and have got the reason to just give up in life. God comes, takes that same brokenness, puts them in a position of, of power, helps the broken. It, it's like he somehow finds a way to take the broken 
give it meaning and give it purpose. Amen? So in the, in the, in the pursuit of meaning, we need to realize all things were made by God. All things were made for God. If I'm going to find any kind of purpose, any kind of meaning, I'm going to find it in Him. I'm going to find it in Him. All right, and listen, don't get so, when things are good, please don't get arrogant. You know, please don't get arrogant. You find yourself very quick in a position of like, oh God, I need you. Very, very quickly. I need you. Help me. You know, help me in trouble. I really appreciate Paul's words when he said, I know how to live in abundance. And so many people don't know how to live in abundance. They get abundance and they forget their God. They forget their, their, their Savior. Oh. Anyway, so let's read this. Let's put this message together. And I, and I, I feel this is a, a really good word that's important. Let's, let's stay in Romans 8. And I'm going to wrap it up here. Romans 8. Verse 26. He says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we should pray. I think the Amplified Translation would say how we should pray or what we should pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. I love this. So the Spirit of God intercedes for us. Bill Johnson gave a great example of this. He said, we, maybe you'll go to the, to the Lord and say, Lord, please give me a Ferrari. Give me a Ferrari. I need a Ferrari. And then you start praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit starts praying from you. Father, don't give him the Ferrari. He's going to kill himself. Lord, give me the Ferrari. The Spirit, who does the Spirit pray for? He intercedes for us. Don't you think it's amazing that you have the high priest in heaven making intercession for you? And then the Spirit of God in you making intercession for you. So the moment you start switching and you start praying, sometimes you're not just praying for yourself. You're actually praying for the saints. That's what the Scripture You're praying for the body of Christ. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. Hallelujah. Next verse. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to God's will. And then the next verse says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. It's amazing when you read it in context that you actually get to understand the heart of the Scripture. You know that the, that the Father uh, has a perfect plan for creation. The Father has a perfect plan for his church. He has a perfect plan for you. He, he is, um, he has, Bible says, foreordained. We're going to read it now. He is foreordained from the foundations of the world. He's seen you, and he's seen you in his plan. Goodness, it's more than paying your bills. And I know that some of you right now are crying out, Lord, I can't pay my bills. Help me pay my bills. And I know that's a big thing when you don't have it. But I, I want you to just raise your eyes a little bit higher. 
Because God's plan for you goes beyond paying your bills. God's plan goes beyond getting all the, the things on the bucket list. He's got something greater in store. And you know where you're going to find it? In his church. You're going to find it in the saints. You're going to find it amongst his people. You're going to find it there. And, and you need to ask God, Lord, I kind of need some things to work together for good in my life. Maybe you're in a position like you just bumped your head really hard. Well, how about you take this whole situation to the Lord? Stop blaming him for it and say, Lord, can you redeem the situation? Can you point it in a direction that it works together for good? Amen? My wife and I, when we lost that baby, um, that uh, I knew God didn't take that baby from us. I knew, but we trusted the Lord. And there's a word called restoration. <laughs> there's a word called restoration. If you read, I think Isaiah 54 might be verse 7 or 43, 42, somewhere there. He says, is there anyone to shout, restore? <laughs> is there an interceder who can shout, restore? And when we experience the restoration um, in Josh, it's amazing. Look at what the Lord did, you know. And God can take any broken situation, anything, and just point it in the direction that it's like, okay, I'm turning what was meaningless, what was purposeless, and I'm going to give you, give that situation a purpose. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to my plan. I'm going to change the narrative. And I'm going to work it for your favor. Come on, imagine every unfavorable situation in your life. If we can really come to the point, okay, let's take this to our high priest, to the Spirit of God. Let's, let's get that prayer in agreement. And we, we agree with the Spirit. And it begins to turn for good. Amen? That God redeems that narrative, brings purpose in it. Amen? So let's read. Let's read the rest of us. All right, I'm going to, Lord, give you some T.D. Jakes anointing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Should have been an organ. And we know. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Wow. Because those whom he foreknew, say that's me. I can't hear you. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God and who is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, 
distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword, as it is written for your sake, we encountered death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. And I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That means, guys, there is a heck of a lot that's going for you, whether you believe it or not. Whether it looks like it or not, whether it looks dooming and it's glooming, the truth is that there is a lot of good in your life at present. And maybe you're like the prodigal son right now, that maybe you just had a bad perspective, a bad assumption of the nature of God, who He is, how He is, what He, what he wants to do for you. Maybe it's time to come to your senses and to actually realize that God is for me. God is going to take the worst situation that you have, the mess that you've made. Some, some of the things we've done ourselves, some of the things, it's what people did to us. It doesn't matter if you're the victor uh, or the victim or the perpetrator. And if you've made a mess, God says, bring it to me. How do they say? God will take your mess and make it a, a message. God will take your test and make it a testimony. No matter how hard and how tough, let's bring it to God today. And let's, let's trust Him to turn this for good. He will. And you will stand. But you need to run to Him. You need to go to Him. Don't stand in the pigsty and complain why things aren't working out for your life. It's self-inflicted. They said, if your, if your input in your life is right now coming from the news channels, the media, Facebook, and consider your discouragement in life as self-inflicted. <laughs> Get into the Word. Get into the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed.